0: There's a divine exchange that we're looking for right now, God. We pray, oh, Lord, that you would hear us as we lift our needs to you. We lift our worship to you. We desire for your voice right now. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Speak to our lives. Nothing is off limits, Lord. Come. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to your mind and your heart. That's what we need. We need him to come. We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit And in worship, we're having a divine exchange. Just come, Holy Spirit, we pray, invade this entire place, every heart that's here tonight, every situation of our life, Lord. It's all on the altar. We put it there for you to observe and evaluate and speak into. In worship, we give it over to you in spirit and in truth, standing in the middle of everything that we are and. Right where we stand, we offer to you our worship. Worthy is the Lord. We're singing tonight, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. We know it's a story in the book of Revelation. Incense is representation of prayers being offered to God. Prayers of the saints, suffering saints, by the way. And so what we want to do before we have the worship team go down is let's Let's pray and let's ask God on behalf of our church. We have our summer mission team, amen, and we have our kids camp right now going on. And uh, we know that that those things are happening, but we want incense to arise. We want our prayers to be offered unto God. Would you join me as we pray right now for our summer mission team and everything that they touch and everything that they do and everything that happens this week there over in Edgewood would be a blessing but it would be a blessing that carries an echo amen just into the years that unfold if you don't know we have a summer mission going on to week long and it's we're rebuilding a building and so many appointments divine appointments can happen and it can touch lives for for many many years so pray with me over that team father we thank you in the name of jesus for every person that has volunteered giving their time and their talent their treasure For ministry, God, we could do other things. We could watch television. We could play baseball. We could hang out outside on our porch. We could do whatever. But, Lord, there are so many of us that have decided to serve over there for an entire week, and we pray, Lord, that you would bless them. We decided tonight to pray. We decided tonight to worship, and so we pray that you would hear our prayers. Keep them in health, Lord. We thank you for divine health over their bodies, We pray, Lord, that they would be able to get more done than than they thought. We ask, Lord, that every dollar that's been given would be stretched to the limit, Lord. Things would be able to happen that we didn't budget or couldn't plan. Father, we pray that as we put together the children's classrooms, that prayers would be offered over all of the kids there. The kids that are there, the kids that are coming. We pray, Lord, for hundreds of kids over the years to come through those doors and to be discipled, to hear the name of Jesus, to know that you're real and that you rose again. We pray that the gospel would be proclaimed every part of that building, every part of that property. We thank you that that property is yours. So as we rebuild it together, Northwest Church, as we do that together, Lord, by faith, we're saying that you're rebuilding us, that you are doing something in the future Spiritually, as we are putting our hands to something physically, we prophesy that in the spirit, Lord, that you're doing the very same thing. You're renewing that place. You're renewing the people that are a part of Northwest Edgewood. We prophesy a renewal over them now in Jesus' name. And now, Lord, we pray for our kids. Won't you pray for our kids at Kids Camp? Lord, we ask that as the gospel is preached, we pray that every heart would be given over to you we know the statistics tell us that many come to christ before the age of 11 and many more before the age of 19 and so we ask for every child to say yes to jesus we pray for every child to be baptized with the holy spirit father we pray that every person volunteering lord that you would give them clarity discernment prophetic words we pray for safety and health and all of those things naturally but spiritually we pray there would be an impact that would move beyond our prayers tonight. We ask, Lord, for deliverance. Some kids are abused or some kids feel rejected. But, Lord, they're not rejected by you and they'll never be abused by you. And so we pray that your affirmation would be stronger than any rejection they've ever experienced. We pray that they would be marked and set apart for the glory of God. Come, Holy Spirit, pour out your presence tonight. We don't know what the sermon's about. We don't know... We don't know what the focus is, but we know that they're gathering around you. That whole camp is about you. So, Lord, let there be a Holy Spirit explosion, we pray tonight. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen, amen. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on. We love you guys. Praise the Lord. How are you doing tonight? Welcome to Ignite Revival Gathering. If you're a guest, we're so glad that you're here. My name is Ben Dixon. I serve as the lead pastor here. If I don't know you, I'd love to know you. And that would be a privilege and an honor to uh, to meet you. Here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to worship. Hey, we've already done that for about a half an hour. Praise the Lord. And enjoyed every minute of it. But we're not done. We're not done. Uh, We want to worship more. I want to share with you... uh, about a couple times a month, I'm going to share a word, and I believe that it's important because we are, a Wednesday night is a culture of response. What we're saying is that we want to respond to the Lord, and, and so we're going to put scripture out there. We believe that the word of God touches our hearts and sensitizes us and helps us to know what it is that we're to not only hear from God, but to, to do in response to him and his word. So I want to share with you some thoughts that I have. Let me just... Quickly tell you about a few things, and I won't typically come to you with announcements, but I am tonight. I'm going to do that. They're spirit filled announcements, they're filled with ignition to ignite you into something fresh for your life. I believe that. I want to remind you next Wednesday that we are having our monthly focus fast. We do that every month together. Pastor Darby has put together some prayer points and a focus. I want to invite you into that. So we as a church fast every month. It's the third Wednesday of the month. That is next Wednesday. This Wednesday is the second. Next week is the third. I also want to let you know, the fourth Wednesday, we are coming together for the purpose of praying for healing specifically all night. So here's what I want to do. It's like we pray for healing every Wednesday night. Isn't that true? Amen. If you are sick, if you need healing We believe Jesus is the great physician. We honor doctors and nurses, the medical community. We don't deny that. We're appreciative. But we also believe that Jesus is the great physician. And we believe that God can do what no man can do, what no woman can do. And so we contend for healing every Wednesday night. But we believe specifically that the last Wednesday of the month, that there should be a focus for us to come together and really go after healing. And so I would ask you and invite you into fasting that week. Yes, we are a church that fasts. We want to fast and pray. And so would you fast even that week? Maybe skip a meal, skip a couple, uh, and pray during those days so that when we come together on the last Wednesday of the month that we begin to pray. If you are suffering and struggling, and maybe you've been praying and you haven't gotten breakthrough. We want to come alongside you in your suffering and believe. And so that Wednesday is all about healing. We're just going to worship and we're going to pray for healing. We're going to read scriptures about healing. We're going to talk about Jesus that is healing. It's not a sermon. It's just all about praying for healing. So whatever the need is, however great it is, whether it's headaches or it's cancer, however serious it is, however small it is, it doesn't matter. We're asking for all of it to go in the name of Jesus, all of it, every last bit of it. So would you come prepared? expectant, believing God with us. That's what we want, faith in the room to rise up and say, God, you can do it again. We read the scriptures, but we want to see it in our time and through our prayers. And the Lord says yes and amen, doesn't he? He truly does. And so come, and we're going to believe for that every week, but specifically on that week. I want to let you know that we have a prayer team training. It's about seeing the sick healed in the name of Jesus, July 24th. Go on our events page of our website, you can register, Pastor Darvey is leading that, it's at 9 a.m., it's 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., no, I mean the effect of it's going to be till 9 p.m., <laughs> I'm signing her up for all day teaching, no, it's 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., amen, three hours, and it's, it's training on praying for the sick, all, all that that includes, so register for that right now, we have several registered. We're inviting you to come. We, we don't just want people to hear that God heals. We want people to be trained so that they, too, will carry the healing power of Jesus or unlock it in their lives through prayer. So come to that. Register for that whenever you can. Everybody say amen. amen. Turn in your Bibles to 100 different places. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, I have at least one verse. I don't have a lot tonight. I just want to share with you a couple things. I, I was praying, and I felt led to speak to you for a few moments before we go back into worship. About being hungry for God. I want to talk to you tonight just a few moments about being hungry for God. I feel like I feel like having this thing in front of me is a problem tonight and the reason is because I'm pretty sure unless I step out here you you can't see me Tony okay because you're looking straight at this metal contraption over here and and I know you're over there too. I want you to be able to see. so now we're good. Now I feel good about my life right now. I move the pulpit out of the way. It's in the way. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, it says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Father, thank you for your word. Breathe on it as we pray. Breathe on it as we hear it. Breathe on it as we talk about being hungry. Give us a hunger for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's something um, special happening in our church, and I believe actually all over the region, all over the world right now the Holy Spirit is being poured out. I, I've been able to experience um, the precious Holy Spirit in many ways. I have had the blessing and the privilege of being touched by God on many occasions. I've been in rooms, I've been in conferences, I've been in church services, I've been in settings where I've truly encountered the Lord. Every house that I've lived in, I've, I've had a supernatural encounter with God that's hard to describe. You know, if I were to describe some of them, Uh, You might think a little differently about me, but I assure you they did happen. I've written about a couple of them in my books, and I could write even further. One time the Holy Spirit said to me, I don't want you to be known for your encounters. I want you to be known for talking about me, preaching the word of God and leading and equipping people. So sometimes sharing your encounters with God is good for a testimony, but it can also be um, sometimes it can get in the way because people start to get hungry for a thing instead of the Lord, and so I just think it's important that we recognize that, but I've had significant encounters with God every place that I've lived in, every home that I've lived in, every living room that I've had, and I've I've, I've ebbed and flowed into this thing that we're calling tonight, hunger for God. I've always loved the Lord. I always want to know God's word. I always want to pray. I always want to experience God, but I want to talk to you tonight about having a hunger for God, having a hunger for God that propels you forward, that keeps you on fire, keeps you moving forward. It keeps your heart soft. It keeps you in prayer, it keeps you in the word. And you're not stepping back. You're continuing to take steps forward. You're pressing in. And I think this is important for us to recognize that we need to be hungry for the Lord. I want to ask you tonight, are you hungry for God? Would you describe yourself that way? Pastor Ben, I am hungry for God. I can't wait to meet with the Lord. I can't wait to open his word. I can't wait to be at church worshiping with God's people. Man, this is the most exciting thing that I get to be a part of, is being among God's people and telling him how wonderful he is. Pastor Ben, I'm hungry. I'm not saying I'm as hungry as I can be, but I'm telling you I have a hunger for God. Would you describe yourself in that way? Because if you wouldn't fully describe yourself in that way, I want you to be able to do so after tonight. I want to just, I want to do more than just say it. I want to pray it. We want to pray that God would give us a hunger. And when we do, God will. We, we have not because we ask not. If we ask him, he will give it. He will give us a hunger. You may say, well, I don't have that right now. It doesn't have to stay that way. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be f- satisfied. Those who have a hunger for God's ways, God's word, God's presence, he says, will be satisfied. There is something that precedes receiving. There's something that precedes being satisfied. And that's being hungry. And we all understand this. I love how Jesus uses metaphors that we get. Everybody in the room gets this one. You don't need a degree. You don't have to be a scholar. You get hunger. You get food. You understand what it is to know hunger. And we want to be hungry for his presence. We want to be hungry for his word, his ways, his righteousness. And all that he is. The entirety of Jesus Christ, we want to be hung, hungry for Him, but hunger precedes receiving from the Lord. Hunger says that there's more. Hunger says that we need something. You know, when you're physically hungry, your stomach, the, the, your stomach lining, it sort of touches itself and it sends up a signal to your brain. The inside of your stomach says, "Feed me, I'm empty. I need something to eat." Now, don't debate me by saying you're hungry all the time, even when you're full. Don't, don't do that to me. Don't mess up my illustration tonight. Not, not now. It's not time. But there's something that happens in your stomach. It sends a signal to your brain that says, I need more. Go to the fridge. Open it up. Put something in your mouth, okay, and let it send all the way down here. I need it to be filled up. Hunger tells us something, that we need more, and we need something. There's an emptiness there Almost every, um, I I think that something that is in the way of hunger is being full. Something that is in the way of being hungry is that we're full. Every year, except for this last year, for almost 17 years now, my wife and I and our family, we travel. Now we have to travel up north an hour. It feels like it's, you know, another world now. It's about, it's like Portland, you know. We know it's down there somewhere, but it's just too far to go. That's how it feels going back home, right? This is home now. So we travel up north, and we don't just go to one Thanksgiving. We go to two because we can never decide whose family we're going to go to. So we've made a decision. Why not both? So we've always done that. We will go to my parents' house, and then we'll go to her parents' house, and we'll split that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just don't decide. You don't have to decide. Decide both. That's who, that's where you're living. and Double anointing. I don't know what you're thinking there, but... We decided this last year not to do that. COVID was the reason, wasn't it? Uh, not everybody wanted to do Thanksgiving. That's fine. But we'll go up and we'll have two Thanksgivings. We'll go to one and then we'll we'll fill up. What I what I did was I used to feel like, okay, I'm gonna eat two meals. But I realized something that I cannot keep my mediocre figure if I'm gonna eat two meals, right? I mean, I'm not trying to get a six-pack, okay but I'm trying to maintain, like, an okay thing. <laughs> like an average, I'm trying to look average, you understand? I don't want to be better than that, but I'm trying to maintain the mediocre figure that I have, and I realize that if you do Thanksgiving twice, that's not possible. I realized that at some point I had a revelation. You, too, understand what I'm, and so, you know, you can't do turkey twice and pumpkin pies. You just can't, you know, you just can't do it. So what I decided to do when I was started calorie counting, or turkey counting on this occasion, is that I would fill up at one place, I would eat, and then we'd go to the other place, and they, um, her mom is always so hospitable. She's like, can I get you something to eat? She says that many times, because uh, Debbie, her last name's Good Enough. Her mom's last name is Good Enough. <laughs> and it's spelled Good Enough. You've heard me talk about the land of Good Enough, haven't you? The, the world of Good Enough. You know, I got that from somewhere. You can't make this stuff up. You really can't. It's my weird life. We, we, we just live in it. It's amazing. But she, her, her name is good enough, and so she's always asking me, Ben, are you, are you hungry? And, and I'm like, no, I'm full. I'm good. I'm good. And I have to say it many times. I'm good. I'm good. I might snack a little bit, but I don't eat a second meal because I'm full. Well, here's the, re- here's the reality. When you're not hungry, you're not going to eat. When you're full, what you say is when somebody is offering you more or somebody is offering you something when you're full, you say no, and you come, when I come to the second Thanksgiving, I come full, and they, they got all this food laid out, I mean, her mom's an amazing cook, it's just all this spread is all laid out, all this stuff, has been, she's been sweating over this, it's like a whole day or two days worth of cooking, are you hungry, and I'm like, it's offensive, it's like, no, I'm full, and it's almost offensive, isn't it, why did you come to my house full, it's Thanksgiving. And uh, she does not like that. She's too nice. But what, I, what we know from this is that when you come somewhere, it doesn't matter how good the food is. It doesn't matter how much is available to you. If you're full, you won't eat. And I think there's a problem sometimes in Christianity is that we come to the house of God full. We come to the word of God full. We come to the place of prayer Full. See, we're so full, there's no room for more. And if there isn't a sense of emptiness where we're giving away what we have, we don't need more. And so for us to be hungry for God, we have to realize that he gives us what we need, not just for ourselves to be full and to stay full, but he's the one that satisfies us every day. God will satisfy us. The more we come to him, he gives it to us so that we can give it away to other people, and then we come back to him, and he gives us more. But if we stay full, that is not a positive thing. It keeps us from being hungry for more of God in our lives. And so when the, when the, when the fasting comes, it's like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need to fast. Why would I fast? When, it talks of, when we talk about prayer, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. See, we filter it through how I feel, rather than what the world needs around us rather than crying out to god for our families rather than praying for the church or the kids that are at kids camp or those that are at summer mission having divine appointments we don't we're filtering what we're doing through how we are feeling and if we're full we're not going to be crying out for more of god to flow through our lives and through our prayers and through our sharing and through our caring and through our giving because we're full i'm full pastor ben i'm full i don't i'm good i'm good i'm good I'm good. I'm glad you're doing that. Amen. I'm glad the church is doing that, but I'm full. There's an enemy that we have, friends. Your enemy is being full and not realizing that you're full to be emptied out to the world so that you can be filled up again. Now, the only one that can satisfy us is Jesus. He's the only one. And so we come to him, and in him we're satisfied. He's the river of life, He's the fountain eternal, He's the one that sees to spring up, oh well, in our lives. And so we're forever satisfied, but we come to him and being full is our enemy most often. I have some practical thoughts that I want to share with you about being hungry for God. I got about 15 minutes left. Number one, here it is. You say, Ben, how do I get hungry for God? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. Or how do you stay hungry for God for some of us? Number one, we must move beyond curiosity. Being curious about God or the things of God is, is not enough. And I'm, I'm using the word curious this way. Curious is like a desire to know and investigate. You know, you're curious about something. I, I have a desire to know more about this. I have a desire to investigate it. And, and I truly desire that. But it's not like when you come to the river, you jump in. See, there's a difference in experiencing something and jumping into it. And just sort of putting your toe in and seeing what the temperature's like. There's a difference between those two things. There's a difference between knowing what the river is and how deep it is and how what fish are inside of it and that other people enjoy it. There's a difference between knowing about the river and knowing what the river's like when you're splashing around in it. You understand? There's a difference between experiencing it and desiring to know about it. We have to move beyond curiosity if we want to truly experience hunger for God, hunger that satisfies, hunger that causes us to be filled, hunger that brings us to a place of wanting and desiring more to the place of being satisfied by Jesus. Years ago, I heard a story from a pastor. I don't remember who, but he told this story about they got this new dog and and, um, it was like a small, I don't even understand it. No, we're not pet people, so I don't know the name of the dog. Some of you are dog lovers, and I love you, but I'm, we're, we'll never get one. We just won't. And we're good with, you know, don't get mad that I, we don't care for pets. All right. Sometimes that's enough for people to be like, well, this isn't my church. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> Pastor Ben doesn't like football. <laughs> no, I don't. I see you, Faith. I see you now. All right. But the pastor talks about getting this dog and they had this large backyard with a chain link fence and behind the fence was this huge field. It was this huge field had tall grass in it and woods beyond that. And the dog, you know, would go into the backyard and and do what dogs did and it kinda grew up a little bit and it would it would constantly like pace the chain link fence. And there'd be all kinds of noises and birds on the other side and other things would be happening and he said he would sit outside in the back porch and watch the dog pace and bark and He was always sitting there wondering what was beyond the fence. Here's his, like, limitations. Here's his lot in life. My lot in life is this big backyard with a chain link fence, but there's something out there. There's this huge field out there. There's this place that I could roam around. And so the dog would just sit there and look out into the field. And the pastor talked about how funny it it was. Even, even, Even when he would hear something, he would only pace the fence and bark at it, but he would never go beyond that. And one time he was out there barbecuing, and he burned something. He burned like a steak or whatever, or hamburger. And then he just didn't want to go to the garbage can, so he just chucked the thing over the fence. And he went inside, and well you know where I'm going, don't you? <laughs> he chucked the thing over the fence because he didn't want to go to the garbage can. So he, wa- he went inside, and everybody ate, f- ate their food and all that. And he comes outside, and he looks at the chain link fence, couldn't see the dog, and he noticed there was this big hole right next to the chain link fence. And he realized that the dog, he, and then he looks out in the field, and he sees the dog out in the field. And the dog's just licking his chops, you know. He's just, he's just licking his chops like something great just happened in his life. He, he burrowed himself underneath the fence. He got on the other side. I mean, this is like the dog's a year and a half old. For a year and a half, this dog stayed in the confines of this fence. He stayed in his limitations But something interesting that the guy talked about was that it was hunger that drove him beyond his fence. The dog was always curious about what was on the other side of the fence. He'd sit there and he'd look into the field. He'd bark when he heard a noise. He always wondered. He'd just sit there and this guy would watch him. And he realized at some point hunger will take you where curiosity will not go. I mean, at some point, we've got to realize that curiosity, a desire to know and study and understand something, is not enough to take us beyond the limitations that we often have, what we run up against in our life. We all have a fence. We all have a threshold. We all have a place and wh- where we'll go, and we won't go any farther. And we'll investigate the place beyond where we are. We'll think about it. We'll talk to other people about it. We'll study about what's beyond that fence. But friends, hunger will only take us underneath that fence, beyond our limitations, to experience what God has for us and not just for us to know about. Hunger will take you where curiosity will not go. Hunger will do that. say, well, Ben, why are we talking about being hungry for God? Because we need a hunger for God. We need a hunger for God. Curiosity is a knowledge about and a desire to know a little bit more. That's great. That that isn't a passionate life for Jesus. That isn't a a life that other people look at and say, man, you really love God, and it shows by the way you live. Nobody's life is perfect. Nobody follows Jesus perfectly. Nobody's going to look at our imperfect life and go, man, you're just so perfect. How can I know the secret recipe of all that you are. That, that's not going to happen. But if they see something in our life that drives us, compels us to Christ, I believe that will stand out in this generation. Being hungry for God. We, we have to move beyond curiosity. Number two, we must believe the Bible. I know this is rocket science. One of my first disciples told me faith in the Bible is not believing that it did happen. It's believing that it still happens. And that never left me. There are a lot of historians, we need more missionaries, people that read the scriptures with an open heart, realizing that God wants to do it again in our day. God wants to move, empower. When you read the scriptures, what you read is you read a God who created the heavens and the earth. You read a God that moved his people out of slavery and bondage, he split the sea, they walked across on dry land. We're talking about a God that caused water to come out of a rock, a God that had a a pillar of fire and a cloud, and led his people, and they didn't know where they were going. We're talking about a God that can protect us from anything, including wild beasts. Amen. You've read the book of Daniel before. We're talking about a God who can bring us into a promise and cause walls to crumble. This stuff really happened. We're talking about a God who heals the sick and raises. dead, who casts out demons, who deals with evil, who has a solution where there's a problem we're talking about, a God who knows what he's doing when nobody else does. And when you read the scriptures, you can't help but be inspired by faith unless you believe that it's a book that happened back there, but it doesn't happen anymore. Friends, we are a people that believe that what God has done is what God still does. What God said is what God is saying we are a people that believe this, and that's why we pray. We're not praying, hoping, oh, God, whatever you can do, I hope, you know, and I, ho- I hope, you know, it can work. He's the same God. He's the same God that got up out of a grave. He's the same one today. And when we read the scriptures, we see him for who he is. When you have proximity to the Bible, you come face to face, you are confronted. Our passivity is confronted. Our prayerlessness is confronted. Our faithlessness, uh, not our faithfulness, our faithlessness is confronted. Our unbelief is confronted with a God that is bigger than every situation and circumstance that we ever go through, that a nation ever goes through, that any injustice will ever offer to us. He's bigger than it. He can do something about it. God is great. And when you see in Scripture who he is and what he's like. You can't help but pray into that. You can't help but press into that. You can't help but believe it again. The prayer becomes, do it again, God. We need to see you do in our day what you've done so many times before. That's what revival is all about. Revival is about do it again, Lord. Revival is an acknowledgement of what he's done and faith for what he's doing we believe in scriptures if we want revival we've got to go back to the bible and not just believing that it happened but believing that it happens Th- this is the culture that we want to create here on wednesday nights on wednesday nights this is this is like the breeding ground for what we want to see happen all over this property and all over this city because when we pray we're extending ourselves by faith into this spiritual realm where god moves from god is spirit And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is greater than the physical realm. When we pray, we're pressing into that which we can't see because we're talking to who we know. And he has power and dominion over everything. And God answers from that place, which is the culture that we carry as we gather here tonight. And it's a hunger that drives us to pray when we see nothing. It's a hunger that drives us to pray when we feel the opposite. It's a hunger that drives us to worship and raise our hands when maybe what we're going through or maybe what we're feeling is the opposite. We may not be feeling like worshiping, but that doesn't matter because it isn't about how I feel tonight. It's about who I know. It's about who I worship. It's about what he's like. And it's a hunger that will drive us beyond our curiosity and it'll drive us beyond our unbelief and it'll move us into a place and a realm of faith And the Bible is this place that stirs us to stay hungry, not just to be hungry, but to stay hungry. The third thing is we must hear the testimony of the Lord. I told you to hold me accountable to some of the testimonies. And you can do that, and we will hear some of the testimonies. And I'm planning for that to happen in all of our services to share the testimony of the Lord. We've done that sometimes. We need to do that more times. Because when we hear the testimony, we're confronted with an opportunity. Either we believe what God did through someone's life Or we begin to criticize based on our own experience. Sometimes when we hear the testimony of the Lord of what God's done for someone else, we go, well, God didn't do that for me. See, the first thing we do is we filter what God does through our personal experience. When the opposite is supposed to happen, when we hear what God did in someone's life, it's supposed to stir faith in our own. And the fact that maybe we didn't experience something is the very reason why we need to hear what God did in someone else's life. Because he did it over here, well, that stirs faith that he can do it right here. So we can't filter someone else's testimony through our past experience because it denies the faith that we need to continue to believe God right where we are. It will deny it. It will put the fire out. I don't know about you, but I love reading. Church history, particularly about revival, the stories of the Great Awakening, Wales, Azusa Street, Jesus People, Pensacola, every revival. I don't care which one it is. I love them. My favorite is the revival of Wales and Azusa Street. I love what God did. The details of it are are just fantastic. In 1903, God poured out his spirit in the nation of Wales in a way where they say 100,000 people just in that one nation alone came to Christ in the period of three years, not even three years. There's a man named Evan Roberts, he was about 25 years old, and he began to pray in this little chapel with some young adults. There were some old saints that had been praying a long time, and then he began to gather a couple hungry young adults, and they started praying. This man was not a preacher, not even close. In fact, you can hardly find any of his sermons because he barely ever preached. And so at 25 years old, he began to pray with some of these people that would stay after services. And There was nothing. You couldn't feel anything. There was no anointing in the air. And they talk about this one night where Evan Roberts began to pray this prayer. And he would say, God, bend me. And it's another way of saying, God, break me. Use me as a vessel. He would say this, God, bend me. It was a prayer that he would pray over and over again. It sounds really strange. Like, why would would he say that? And one night, God did just that. God broke him and poured out his spirit on the whole place there in Wales. We call this the Welsh Revival where the whole world was set aflame. From this particular, this chapel, Moriah Chapel, where God was moving. Just a couple kids and a couple old saints that were crying out to the Lord. And this happened not only there, but it began to spread. It was not centralized around this one church and this one person. One of the beautiful things about the Welsh Revival is it started one night, but the fires of revival began to spread throughout Wales, all throughout Wales, Evan Roberts would never tell anybody where he was going to preach because he didn't want people to gather around him. In fact, most of the time he didn't preach. He would come in the back and he would pray and he would cry. And they would have him come on the pulpit and he would look like a blubbering idiot because he couldn't get through any of his words. But as he began to cry, as he began to just say a few words, people in the audience, people in the sanctuary began to cry. People began to moan. People begin to fall on the ground. A hundred thousand people came to Christ through this guy that could barely even get through his words to preach a sermon. It was a time of religion. It was a time where nothing was really happening. It was a time of great sorrow and great pain. Lots of immorality. The places that they had there, the businesses, they had hotels. They turned those into brothels because businessmen would come and do their business throughout the week, and then they would do their nightly activities with the ladies at night and— They turned these hotels into brothels, and when the Welsh revival hit, it spread through society so powerfully that those that owned the hotels got converted, the prostitutes got converted, and the businessmen got converted. And they turned them into a place where people could go as retreats to study the Bible and get away with God. All of them, not some of them, all of them. They had to change business hours. Friends, it hits society. They had to change business hours so that people could get home in time so they could get to the revival meetings because revival meetings were going on every night. Like we're doing Wednesday night. They did them every night. And we're talking like every church, every church that had a little bit of fire, every church had had a meeting going on. Everybody wanted to experience the presence of God. They wanted to experience the power of the preaching of the gospel. I mean, there's newspaper articles. I think it's 1904 when, you know, they played soccer They call it football, we call it soccer, but they had their, the equivalent of their World Series for soccer, football, whatever that is, they canceled it in 1904, their newspaper clippings, it says that um, whatever the tournament was or whatever they called it, you know, soccer canceled, revival wins. This hit the coal mines. Many of the men worked in the coal mines. They trained their, these, all of this I'm telling you is documented history. They, they trained their horses. The horses were little ponies because they needed them to carry carts of coal. And they trained them to stop and go with cuss words. But when the men got saved, they didn't want to cuss anymore. And so they were trying to tell the ponies to stop and go, and it wouldn't work, so they had to buy all new ponies for the coal mines. Because they couldn't use these ones, the ponies were immoral. So the men got converted, but the ponies didn't. So the truth is they went and bought, I mean, the coal miners were, the men that were in charge that owned them, they were upset because they had to spend all the money to get new ones because they had thoroughly trained them and their brains wouldn't allow for a conversion. I don't know about you, but when I read these stories, these real stories about what God has done, it stirs me. It stirs me. It's what makes me pray. When we looked last week or the week before and we prayed over Federal Way and whatever city we're from, we come into this room together. We're not kind to believe in God. Amen. We're We're talking about a God that can change a nation in three years. Three years he can do that. 100,000 people come to Christ. They get so converted they have to change businesses, business hours. They got to get new ponies. I think we need to get some new ponies. There's some things in our life that we need to do as well. They began to get hungry for God, hungry for God. Last thing I'll say, and the worship team could come up. We must come to Jesus. I know, I know, Pastor Ben, I know this. I know you know this. But are you hungry for the Lord? Curiosity leads us to that place of investigation, desire to know. We know stuff, but are we hungry? Are you hungry right now? For God. Look what Jesus said to all of those that were listening to Him on the great day of the feast. Jesus stood out and He cried and He said, "Anyone, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes in Me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water." Jesus said to this. He looked people in the eyes. I just want to be there. He looked him in the eyes and said, "If anybody is thirsty, come to Me and drink." As the scripture says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I want to ask you the question tonight that Jesus asked the people that were listening to him. Are you thirsty for God? David says in Psalm 63, he says, I long for you, O God. My body aches in a dry and a weary land. I seek you in a place that I don't even want to be. But what I want to do is seek you no matter where I'm at. No matter what's happening in my life, I long for you and I seek you. There's nothing greater than to to be a person that is hungry for, that is seeking God with all of our hearts. This is what keeps us moving forward. This is not only what keeps this church a church, but it's what keeps the people, the church, vibrant for years and years to come. The enemy just wants to wash over us, in such a way where our hearts begin to get dull and callous and our ears can't hear and our eyes can't see and our hearts aren't responsive, we have to be a culture that responds to God. We don't yawn at the call. We don't, we don't think like that. We think, I need God. I've got to respond to God. I've got to worship God. I've got to press into God. I've got to pray. I need more of God. See, people that are full are not asking God to do anything. But people that are hungry are asking God to do everything. And those are the people that are going to see God move. Friend, you don't have to look like me and I don't have to look like you, but we all have to be hungry. And whatever that looks like in your life, whatever that looks like for Northwest Church, as diverse as we always are going to be, we're all different, but we all come into one place with one desire to know him and to make him known with all of our hearts. And we don't back down from that ever. We don't allow the world to creep in. We don't allow the voice of the enemy to begin to speak. We deny that. We reject that. We resist that. We stand in the presence of God, and we ask for more. We boldly come before the throne of grace in our time of need. Can I tell you tonight, your time of need is every day and all the time. When he says, boldly come before, before the throne of grace in your time of need, let me ask you, when's your time of need? Is it sometimes? Is it reacting to something? Or is it responding to God all the time? I just want to provoke you and me to be a people that are hungry. Would you stand to your feet as we worship a little bit more? Let's hunger. Here's what I hear from the Holy Spirit tonight. And I share this with you. Just I was provoked today to talk about not only being hungry, but staying hungry. Amen. Some of us, you're saying, Ben, I I need to be hungry for God. I'm not there. Some of you, you need to stay hungry for God. Because maybe you're in a place where you know you're hungry for him. You're hungry for his word. You're hungry for his presence. You're hungry for his power. And don't just filter your hunger for God just by what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. We've got to filter our hunger for God also by that which we carry for other people. We are a walking food pantry. Spiritually speaking, isn't that true? We're a walking soup kitchen, spiritually speaking. And what God's put inside of us, he also wants us to deliver it, and then we're empty again, and we come to him and we're filled, and we empty ourselves, and then we're filled, and this process continues to happen until everyone touches and tastes what it is that we're talking about, what it is that we believe. I don't know how to describe to you what key lime cheesecake tastes like, amen? But I know where you can go to get some. I can't articulate to you what it tastes like when it goes down. I, I, I can't. It's, it's so hard to do. But I can tell you, if you're hungry for it, I can tell you where to get it. I can't always describe what it's like to experience the presence of God. I try and I fail. I don't know what it's like to, have a, to, to describe to someone a revelation from the word of God. When you're, when you're waking up in the morning and you're going to the Word, and the Word begins to speak to your heart, and your heart goes deeper, and your heart expands, and God begins to speak, and His echo, the echo of His voice goes deeper in your life. I don't know how to describe that all the time, but I know where to go to get it. I know where to go. Hunger for God drives us, will take us where curiosity will not go. If you need hunger for God in your life, let's just ask Him for it right now. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would come among us. We ask for a sovereign outpouring of a holy hunger tonight. We reject passivity. We reject and resist apathy in the name of Jesus. We will not be a people that just sits there and says nothing and does nothing. We will be a people that pursues. We will be be a people that is hungry. We will be a people on fire for Jesus. And we're asking you at Ignite Revival Gathering that you would put a fire in our hearts tonight that we would be on fire for Christ and for Christ alone. You are our portion. You are revival. And so we ask, come and touch each one of us right here and right now. Lay your hands on us, Lord. Lay your hands on our heart. Lay your hands on our mind. Lay your hands on our body. Touch us, we pray, in Jesus' name. We need you to do that right now. We need you to do that tonight. Would you come and give us a hunger in the name of Jesus? Now we're going to worship. Let's worship the Lord together and ask him for a hunger. Would you join me? Come, Holy Spirit. We pray for you.